When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jones. Bowden. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four. And England have won the match. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. After two days of the Adelaide test, it's all going one way, and that is Australia's way. In fact, I suppose the only thing you could say is the one little sort of chink of light for England is it was produced by light, actually. It was produced by lightning uh, with about 45 minutes of play that they still had to survive. Lightning uh, had the, the the final say in the day's play and took the players off. And Simon, actually, it's the it's the first time, it, almost the first time as a former bowler, that I actually agreed with a batsman pulling away or he wanted to pull away before the bowler let go of the ball. You know all those ridiculous times that batsmen pull away because there's a mosquito on the sight screen or you know someone moving in a block of flats two two blocks away uh, and they they pull away and the bowler has to stop his run up. Well, this time. David Milan, as he was about to face up a, a delivery from Jaya Richardson, a flash of lightning over the back of the ground behind the, the sight screens. He did actually face the ball and and then sort of made a gesture as if to say, well, I, I, I'm not sure I can deal with this. And soon afterwards, the players were taken off. So that was the one little ray of light, if you like, for England after a, another pretty difficult day. It comes to something when the players going off the field is your bright spot of the day. And it was that sort of day for England. I was utterly predictable. I think that that's the feeling. I think we all turned up at the ground this morning, or that sort of sense when we turned up at the ground this morning. Australia would go on to make a, a decent score over 400. England would bat under lights, and they would probably lose a few wickets. And they were spared around about 45, 50 minutes of, of more torture by that lightning that, that took the players off. First things first, I mean, they didn't do badly in the morning session. They picked up three wickets for 81. Then there was a stand between Carey and Smith. Smith eventually out for 93 and Carey for 51 just before the second break. But then after 
tea. It was party time for the lower order. Stark smashing it. Nisa smashing it. it looked a good number nine, actually, in his, his first test match. Australia able to declare. The crowd were up. They really enjoyed that session after, you know, rather turgid cricket on the first day. They had a bit of entertainment. It was almost like big bash cricket, really. 473 for nine declared. England out to face an hour and a half under the lights and then two wickets. Burns out third ball for four and Hamid playing a strange shot to Nisa, clipping one to Stark at mid on and he was out for six. So a wicket for Michael Nisa in his first day. What a post T session he had. Looking really good with the bat and then picking up a bonus wicket uh, with the ball. Milan and Root uh, just about surviving to the close of play. But England looking down, not just one barrel, but about four after two days of this test match. And it's hard to see how they're going to get out of this without losing another test match. You haven't been taking those happy pills I told you to take. <laughs> I, told I know you were taking the realistic pills. You were taking the, the realistic, realistic pills. pills. Sure, sure. I, I, I don't think that there's. it's a total write-off. I, I think the pitch is still pretty good. I, I think England could get out of this with a draw. Uh, I'm being a little bit optimistic, I suppose. But, yeah, I mean, all the, the, the suggestions are that it'll be very difficult and that Australia will uh, just continue to apply the, the thumbnail screw to to England's hopes. Certainly, I have to give you credit for your predictions. Uh, after yesterday, you got it closer than I did. You said uh, that England would be two down at, at the close for a few more runs than they've actually made, and the, but that Australia would get a big score. And I sort of thought we might bowl England out for under 400, and we didn't, obviously. England didn't. Uh, it, it was, I, I thought, really impressive batting again by Australia in the, in the first session. Uh, just very dogged and, and, and just determined. And I, I suppose England were unlucky on the first day. I thought that luck might change on the second day. But overall, I don't think they bowled full enough. And it's a criticism that we often level at England, that their faster bowlers just uh, slightly on a, on a shorter side. Not not short, but not quite a full enough length to, to take wickets. And it's interesting, if you look at the wickets that fell... In almost in the entire innings, but certainly in the morning session, they were to fuller balls. So it, it has to be something England look at in the future. Uh, in all cricket, they have to get bowlers bowling more at the stumps. So more balls are going to target the stumps because that, I think, is one major flaw about England's bowling. You know, it's hard to criticise a, a great like Anderson or Broad, but that sometimes I think they just err on the side of shortness a bit too much and they, they're scared of being driven for, for runs. And I think it's you should encourage batsmen to drive. And even if the ball's not moving, we've got Carey out with a mishit drive today. Uh, look at look at how um, Hamid got out, a ball that was a full ball, which didn't quite arrive as the batsman thought it would. He was a little bit early on the shot, chipped to catch the mid on. That can happen if you bowl full. If you bowl back of a length, these batsmen, these Australian batsmen, are in their element. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that you know, there's a lot of truth in what you say. I mean, it, sometimes I think for me, it, it, it's all like. It's sort of bottom line stuff that is, is this idea that you know you, you look at English cricket and the way it's developed in the in the last few years. I mean, and we'll we'll come back to it. And we said it at the start of the year when we say you look at England's year ahead: India, New Zealand, Australia. 
are England going to be found out this year? And I think what's happening is, yeah, absolutely, they, they are being found out. And is the quality of player there to seriously challenge Australia in Australian conditions? I would say no. You know, lot, lot problems at the top of the order. It, it, you know, it's, it, the whole structure of our game is all wrong. There are no spinners. Top order batters are playing in difficult conditions in you know, April and May and, and, and September. And it, it, the same problems are, are sort of coming up time and time again now. And, you know, it, it, it's going to continue. I, I, it's, it's, what, I mean, you know, it's, it's happened very early in this series again, it feels. You know, after two days of the second test match, you see all the problems there. You know, l lack of pace bowlers. You know, the England, England have Joffre Archer, OK, injured. Ollie Stone hasn't played very much injured and then you come to this test match you know can they play Mark Wood back-to-back -back test matches they, they felt they can't so yeah okay they've had one or two issues in 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 preparation for this tour in they haven't quite had the personnel they would have liked to have had in their in their bowling lineup but the, the fundamental problems are there and I, I was fascinated actually to see a, a tweet from Tim Wigmore who writes for the Telegraph and it, you sort of think about this idea of the same problems coming up sort of time and time again he wrote this, Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad and Chris Wokes in the first innings to Adelaide in 2017. 88 overs, 20 maidens, 4 for 230. Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad and Chris Wokes in the first innings to Adelaide in 2021. 78.4 overs, 22 maidens, 4 for 234. Four years of Ashes planning to get nowhere at all. So, you know, have... You know, have England progressed as a, you know, as a, as a cricketing culture, really? It, it certainly is a test match culture in the last few years. And you know, w w there was a lot of planning went into this tour, but it's the same, you know, in a way, it's the, with England doing the same things and, and getting the same results. This test match in, in Adelaide is, is almost a replica of the one that was played four years ago, as those, actually those figures suggest. Australia in that game, 442 for eight declared. In this one, 473 for nine declared. England batting under lights. And actually, bizarrely, uh, four years ago, they did get away with it with some weather on that second evening. And, th and then they got bowled out and gradually Australia took control of the game and, and won it comfortably. And you, you can see the same pattern happening. And, you know, England sort of plan and plan and plan, but... I suppose, you know, without the personnel, I think that, you know, that's another issue. You know, it, it, it's, it's the personnel. Have they got the personnel ready to come to Australia and challenge them? And it seems to me the bottom line is no. And until you start producing players that are capable of doing well in conditions abroad, in, in say, Australia, then you're just going to have the same results time after time after time. If you do the same thing over and over again, expect different results, then you are misguided. Look, I think you, you, very valid points. Uh, a very good observation by Tim Wigmore of the Daily Telegraph. Uh, I, I'd say a couple of things. Uh, firstly, England, it, it, it's easy to blame the bowlers. These bowlers are some of the best bowlers England have ever had. I mean, Anderson Broad, uh, actually Chris Wokes was player of the year, uh, I think a year ago. And w w if Ben Stokes wasn't in the team, he'd be one of England's finest ever all-rounders. Uh, you know, he's a very, very good cricketer. What these bowlers need is runs at their back. They're not the fastest bowlers in the world, but they're very skillful and they're very accurate. If they have runs to play with, runs on the board by their team, they're going to take wickets. Michael Nisa, he's not quick. You know, he's about 135 kilometres. He's, what, I don't know, mid-80s. He got a wicket with his second ball because he's bowling in conditions where the Australians have tailored perfectly they've their blueprint for this match has almost been how do you how to play a test match at, at Adelaide win the toss score nearly 500 get the team the other team in after 
day and a half of in the field in the last 20 overs under lights and it doesn't almost doesn't matter what you bowl you're going to get wickets uh, it, it's all about runs and so I'll go back to Marnus Labuschagne right now there is a batsman who in both of these test matches has had to come in quite early on and his judgment of what to play what to leave how to defend the ball how to attack the ball as well as being exemplary. Why is that? Because he plays at the Gabba, because that is his home ground. That is one of the best cricket pitches in the world. You can judge a ball on length. You know which ones to leave because the bounce is consistent. The movement is fairly consistent as well. It might move a little bit in the first 10 overs, but after that, the ball doesn't move too much. You get value for your shots. You go back foot, front foot. It, it, it's a, an all-round test of your game as a batsman, and it gives you confidence as well because you can trust how the pitch behaves. And you can see how he bats in these conditions. He trusts the bounce. He trusts his judgment. He doesn't get drawn into playing away. I mean, OK, he had his luck. He, he played and missed a few times. He was actually dropped twice as well. But his his approach, his method is as good as you could get, I think. And you don't produce, we don't produce players like that in England because the pitches are, are not very good. Because you play in April and September, primarily county championship cricket. So opening batsmen cannot trust the bounce. They Absolutely. cannot trust the line of the ball. It will zip around all over the place. Therefore, they, they play at balls they shouldn't play at. They leave balls that they shouldn't leave. And, and they get out. And therefore, they get no confidence, no structure, no method. I mean, why does Rory Burns bat like he does? Well, you know, sort of slightly odd, unconventional way because the pitches are unconventional. He plays at the Oval, which is a pretty good surface, but elsewhere you have to kind of evolve quirky methods to make to make runs. And England don't have enough players who play orthodox cricket for Test cricket that enables them to build big scores and then allows those bowlers, the Anderson and Broads, who are some of the finest bowlers we've ever produced, to just plug away on a line and length and take wickets. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. So there's a st sort of structural problem of the game. But you know, the, the other thing as well is that in this match, we're going to see Nathan Lyon come out and I think cause England some problems. He'll, he'll be able, you know, he will be tight. He'll be tidy. He'll, he'll, he'll get wickets. He'll probably get wickets in the in the second innings as well. He might, you know, end up, you know, bowling Australia to victory on on the final day, or you know, or even the the fourth day. And so you know, a quality spinner and England. Because of the pitches we play on, it, you know, it comes back to that. I know, I know. It's you know, these are, these are old things coming back, but it's someone needs to sort of actually listen because otherwise, this is this is going to just go on repeating itself and repeating itself. I mean, and to be fair, you know, England. <laughs> the other point is, England generally don't do very well in Australia, so you know, perhaps we shouldn't be surprised. You know, this this is it's not a new thing. Australia tend to dominate England at home. And yeah, the other, the other side of the coin is true that Australia come to England. They haven't won in England for 20 years. They haven't won a series in England for 20 years, but they've won test matches quite consistently. You know, they've won two on their two each on their last two tours. So they, they, they push England much more in English conditions than England ever do or often do and, in, and in Australia. And so, so do India as well. Mm. So do India, don't they? India push England harder in England and England push India in India. Yeah. It's the same thing. Uh, if, if our structure was better, if our scheduling was better, if our pitches were better throughout the year, throughout the summer, we would produce better cricketers, better batsmen, better spinners, and we'd be more equipped to deal with overseas conditions as well as English conditions. Yeah. I mean, it feels as if we're having a sort of end of series conversation here in a way. You know, we're sort of chewing <laughs> fat after, after two days. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we've had, basically we've had six days cricket of the series. But it, it sort of has that feel about it, doesn't it? I mean, perhaps, you know, perhaps we should just wait and see what happens. It may well be that, you know, M Milan and Root do what they did at Brisbane and come out and play a 
you know, a, a really substantial partnership. And good luck to them. You know, I, I think and everybody watching this series, I think people can accept that England uh, you know, lose to Australia in a way. You know, they're, they're, they're a very difficult side to, to beat in Australian uh, conditions. People can accept that. I think what, what people want, I think, is a contest. And I don't think we've had it so far in this series. England have won sort of one day or half of one day so far of the first, you know, what, six days of the series. And in, in the other days, they've sort of been flattened. And I know there are, you know, I know there are issues, you know, there are COVID issues and there are preparation issues, but some of those issues have affected Australia as well. But, and, and you know, they lost the toss here. And it was, I think it was a really good toss to win as well. And, you know, but it, it comes down to, I think, the, one of the frustrations about what I thought England did at, at, at the Gabba is they overthought it and they batted first when I would have bowled. I just think that was the more straightforward uh, th- thing to do and, and play five seamers. And they said, oh, well, you know, we, we want to have balanced attack. Well, they, they came here and they went, you know, they did. They played five seamers here. I think that definitely should have done so at the Gabba. So you know, lots, lots of things that haven't quite gone right. They haven't always had the rub of the green. You know, they've... They, Lots of playing and missing and uh, balls dropping short, whatever, but they haven't helped themselves with their catching, their fielding. I mean, that's another thing as well to, to, to focus on. England's catching, it just hasn't been good enough either. Uh, Australia caught everything so far, every single catch they caught. And it may, that may well change round. Things, you know, that, that does happen and can happen in, in, in cricket. But anyway, uh, it, I suppose it, it just feels you, you've got to try to break the cycle and do something different. And England have been planning this for two years. Chris Silverwood, the coach, has said, you know, we're, we're, you know, we, we're planning for the Ashes. And he was criticised that. He said, you know, why are we always looking at the Ashes? Why aren't we looking at India away and, and India at home? And they've got to the Ashes. And, this, you know, the same things are happening over and over again, the, the same sort of fallibilities. And well, it's because his hands are tied, aren't they? You know, by the schedule ties every England coach's hands behind their back. There's nothing they can do about it. Well, I mean, they try, but in the end, it's the preparation, it's the, the, the way that county cricket is organised. I mean, talking about championship cricket, the way it's organised, it's not going to produce players to, to win the Ashes in Australia. That's the, that's the bottom line. Yeah, well, so I suppose to, in a, in a sense we're you know we're um, sort of shouting against the thunderstorm, aren't we? In a way, you know, wh- why do we expect anything different? Should we expect anything different? And and perhaps this time, I think that just you know just reading sort of social media and talking to people, I don't you know I don't think anyone seriously expected England to to come to Australia and win. And the series is not over. That's the other thing as well to say. The series is not over, but it it sort of it has that feel already. It has a, a feel of inevitability about it, and you know, perhaps we are uh, being premature, and perhaps we should just park that for a moment and and just think about this game and how what you know what England's game plan is tomorrow and what their prospects are for 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 getting away, um, you know, for actually getting back in the match actually for challenging Australia. I mean, what are the positive signs? I suppose you, you could say they've got two young bowlers. Uh, relatively inexperienced in international cricket. But Michael Nisa getting a wicket in his first over, what a lift for him that is. And I thought Jai Richardson actually, just in the, in the handful of overs he bowled tonight, he, lo- he looked apart and Stark got in the game as well, of course, with, a, with an early wicket. And they've got Lyon. That, I mean, it's so, so important, I think, to have that quality spinner. And, you know, w- w- England's really strong period, of course, coincided with, with Graham Swan's career and, of course, some you know, top-quality players, the likes of, you know, Kevin Peterson, who came in from the outside and who came from South Africa and was just, you know, a wonderful player, Alistair Cook's uh, career. But it, 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 you know, there was that rise and then there's that, you know, it's been a quite a, a sudden fall. And England have been really sketchy now for quite, quite a few years at, at international cricket. They're exciting, they're an interesting team to watch. 
but you know they are very flawed and and I think I think what we've seen is Australia ruthlessly expose the flaws that are in this England side already in this test series as indeed India did at home and India did away they did in in England in the summer Well, if you're English, you're probably not feeling like a beer right now. But cheer yourself up and order some craft beers for the festive period from Beer 52. Beer 52 are a craft beer supplier like no other, sending experts around the globe to find the best beer available anywhere on the planet. And in true Christmas spirit, Beer 52 are offering listeners of this podcast 10 free beers. All you have to do is go to www.beer52.com cricket and cover £5.95 for postage to claim your free case. Each month, Beer 52 members receive a new case, usually from a different part of the world. Members have had beers from more than 40 countries in the past few weeks. As well as the excellent beer, you'll also get two tasty snacks supplied with your free case. Go to beer52.com cricket. After claiming your free case, you'll join the monthly beer club, £24 a month, no minimum commitment, pause or cancel any time, and enjoy. So what do England need to do uh, now, looking ahead to the rest of this match? I mean, clearly they have to survive the first 15, 20 overs uh, in the first session tomorrow. And I I feel quite confident that they'll do that uh, because there wasn't that much movement from Stark and Nisa and and Jai Richardson. The the ball swung a little bit, but it didn't look too difficult, actually. I mean, Rory Burns got a good ball. He probably could have left that ball. That's the key, is leave as much as you can in the first 10 overs or so, leave the ball on length, it's going to bounce over the stumps. There's quite a bit of bounce in this uh, Adelaide pitch, actually. It's similar to the Gabba, so you can leave the ball on length, and that's what Labuschagne in particular did very well. But Burns could have left his ball. They're very difficult balls to leave, but you know, if you're an opening batsman at test level, you've got to make those uh, difficult decisions and make the decisions well, and uh, Burns could have left that ball. So England have to leave as much as they uh, uh, as possible in the first 10-15 overs. I don't think the, the ball is going to move that much. It's going to be in the daytime as well, so uh, you shouldn't have the, kind of the assistance of floodlights and, and, and darkness and so on. If England managed to get through that first 10-15 overs uh, with Milan and Root intact, I don't see any problem in England getting past 300. Uh, saving the follow-on is the first target. That's about 270-odd. Uh, so getting up to past 300 and and getting a bit closer, at least, to Australia and also taking a lot of time out of the game so that then when Australia eventually go to bat again, they've got to take up time and that will leave England the scope to at least play for a draw. I think that's the best they can hope for. Yeah, to, to do that, they need to be batting well into the fourth day because even if they just bat into some of the fourth day, say, you know, bowled out for 350, there'll still be 100 or so runs behind on first innings and Australia would press on and and then put England back in put England back in on the final day and, and bowl for victory if you like on a on a fifth day pitch with uh, you know lying up I think causing them some problems you know it's going to be hot again tomorrow the pitch is going to dry out more there was some turn for for Joe Root yesterday there was there was a bit there uh, today for him as well and you know Lyon is a you know better bowler he's got 400 Test match wickets you'd expect him to cause problems on this service the the, the curator saying you know, before this game you've got to play a frontline spinner in this Test match and Australia have got one of those they've got a, you know they've got that quality so it is for England it's not good enough just to to bat, I think, just into the fourth day tomorrow. They've got to bat well into the fourth day. So they, you're right, they've got to get up 400, something like that, to really 
take time out of the game, yes, and also to make it harder for Australia when it comes to their second innings and you know, really delay any declaration or whatever it is. Um, and, and the other thing as well, of course, is for the bowlers, I mean, they'll be absolutely desperate for England uh, to bat well tomorrow. Can you imagine a scenario mm. where England were bowled out for 200 mm. and then the bowlers are, are back in the field again after, you know, 150 overs in the field and then England get bowled out cheap and they're at bowling again. Because mm. the one thing you could say is they might well be, you know, out there under lights you know, in, in the final session. But it's, 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 it's too much of a burden in, in, a, in a way for those bowlers who, you know, all bowled uh, 20 overs or more. It's very, very rare that in an, in an England uh, test innings you have six bowlers who all bowl more than uh, 20 overs. There was a sort of collective burden there. So, you know, the, the challenge is a big one for, you know, for Milan, for Root, for Stokes, for, for Pope and for Butler tomorrow. I mean, they are the ones that, have, you know, someone has got to produce two players, really. And, and in Australia's innings, it was three, wasn't it? 95, 93, 103. And they were, they were sort of ch runs that were chiselled out. So, you know, that is the, the challenge ahead for... England tomorrow again, you know, against a, you know, this slightly different Australia attack. There's no Hazelwood and there is no Cummins, so you know that there are, I suppose, some, some, there is some potential there uh, on a, on a surface that actually bizarrely, Yoz, um, post-match interviews today, Steve Smith said, oh, it's actually quite a difficult pitch. It's not mm. a straightforward pitch at all. And Ben Stokes, who bowled on it, said, I oh, know, you know, it's a pretty good surface. You know, we should better score runs tomorrow. Who, I mean, <laughs> who do you believe? It's the phony war, isn't it? I mean, it, mm -hmm. I think it's. I think it's a pitch where you can't drive with confidence because it's not quite coming on. And there were a couple of instances where balls went through the top, actually, because it's so dry. The old one, there was one that hit Labuschagne high up somewhere on the hip or high up on the arm or something, which which bounced from an awkward length. I mean, from a, from a good length. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think it's, it's pretty. It's pretty flat. The old ball does something, but I don't think it's the easiest pitch to drive on. So if you pitch it up. You know, you can mishit it. And there was Alex Carey was out caught at sort of short extra cover. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Hamid was caught playing a bit too early on a ball, which in other situations he would have worked through the leg side, but uh, probably along the ground. But here, you know, the ball just stopped slightly. It was a loose shot, but the pitch had a little bit to play in that sense. So I know what Steve Smith means. In a way, it may be tomorrow maybe the best day to bat because it will just quicken up slightly and after that it will start going through the top and spinning quite a bit and probably misbehaving bounce wise so England have to capitalise and score their runs tomorrow otherwise they well they really are out of it hmm. do, you, I mean, do you think England are significantly worse than this Australian side a, a, a little bit worse or you know that there is a, a, a gulf between the two sides, a, a significant gulf, or is it, is it that you know, England have been a bit underprepared and haven't played particularly well so far? And you know, they, they when they won the toss in Brisbane, they probably should have put them in, and Australia won a, a very good toss here, and that gives you an advantage in Adelaide if if you bat first on a on, on a good surface. Or you know, is it there is that there is that significant difference between the two sides? I think in Australian conditions, uh, Australia when you know, they're at full strength, have got uh, seven match winners, three batsmen, Warner, Labuschagne and Smith. And obviously, you know, Travis Head has come into it now as well. And four match winning bowlers, all of them, all of the attack, you know, mm. Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood and, and Lyon. So they've got seven match winners in Australian conditions. England have Root and they have Stokes and... 
I, I wouldn't necessarily class Anderson and Broad as match winners in Australian conditions mm. as much. You know, they're fantastic bowlers, but in Australian conditions, yeah. not as effective. So really, England have got two match winners, Root and Stokes, and Australia have got seven. And I think in Australian conditions, that <laughs> shows uh, there is quite a discrepancy. What do you think? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I, no, I agree with that. I, I agree. I mean, you know, Anderson's figures. I mean, he's thirty-nine years of age. You know, he's his first Test match in September. Twenty-nine overs, ten maidens, two for fifty-eight. You know, he he was tidy, tight, but you know, is, on a pitch like that against a batting side like that, is he going to be able to to take you know take five for sixty or whatever like that? Well, he did last time under the lights. And to be to be fair to him, that was that was four years ago. Uh, you know, time catches up, and you, and you wonder whether uh, you know we're in a situation now where you know, at the end of this series, whether you know, England will move on, how they will move on, actually. But okay, let's 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 get this series done first. We, we are slightly getting ahead of ourselves, and it, it does have that feeling in Adelaide tonight that uh, almost as if the Ashes are are slipping away, and two nil feels inevitable. Two nil is not inevitable at the moment. It needs two or three players uh, tomorrow to really d dig in and show the same application that Australia showed today. It, it's not impossible. It feels unlikely, but that, that's the challenge ahead. Okay, so well, we'll put your money where your mouth is then. Put your money where your mouth is. What are your predictions? Yeah. Well, my, my prediction for the closer play score tomorrow is Australia 18 for one. What's yours? My God, mine's Australia 20 for one. Well, that well, there we, well, there we are. We are we're probably seeing the game in the same way, very very similar to how we how our predictions early in the in the Gabba Test match, where we went for 189 before and 190 before. So yeah, well, we see we see it very similarly. Um, so so you're you're suggesting that it it will be hard work for England tomorrow. They they, they won't get enough runs then by the sounds of it. I think they'll get just past the follow-on figure, maybe by 40 or 50. Um, is my is my take on it? They'll get past three hundred, mm. but not much past probably. And Australia will be back in under lights tomorrow night. And you you sound like you you think the same. Yeah, I, I, they might not even you know get past the follow on, but I don't think Australia will enforce it. And unless of course England, I mean, if England were rolled out for one hundred and twenty or one hundred and sixty or something like that, and they had a three hundred lead, then they might well enforce the follow on. But I think they'll probably want to give their bowlers a bit of a break, bat for a bit, and. And then, you know, really squeezing them on the on the half of the fourth day and and, and the final day. But so yeah, a big a big big um, task ahead of England. As I'm sure everyone listening to this is is well aware. And uh, you know, in the UK, it, I, I'm sure there's among cricket fans they they know the score. They know what the, the some of the structural problems are with the with the English game. And I'm sure there'll be optimists out there as well. But I'm sure there are plenty of I'm sure there are plenty of realists as well who understand the yeah you know, the degree of difficulty I think in these conditions against uh, this Australian side with the lineup that England have with the yeah you know, with the flaws actually you've identified when you talk about match winners you know you have identified some of the the problems that that England have and that you know, not enough runs at the top it's been a problem for a long time not enough runs uh, from the openers anyway we shall see Oz we'll be back uh, tomorrow uh, around about this time to review the the third day's play. And I'm sure there'll be lots of people out there saying, I hope you're, you're horribly wrong uh, with your uh, predictions. We shall see. Well, I'm going to the uh, London Gospel Singers Carol service tonight. So I'll, I'll say my prayers for, for England and hope that works.
Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.